two, one. Hello everyone and welcome to another HMG podcast. Uh, so I've got a bit of a special one today with a community spotlight episode. So this is one that, format that we're starting up where we are getting members of our actual community to come and talk uh, and we've got a series of generic questions today. Uh, this may become a bit more of a regular feature as we go through uh, and, and we'll see how I guess how much everyone likes it and whether they, <laughs> whether they enjoy the format. Um, so I have with me today um, Bob, Adam, Sean, uh, who are all from our WA community, and we also had some additional answers submitted by Russ and Nick, uh, and so they're five members of Perth, uh, or actually Perth and Albany, um, all the way across WA. And uh, we should have some very interesting questions. So uh, we're going to jump straight into it because the first one is going to give you a bit of a background as to um, these individuals, their um, experience with gaming and, and where they sit with Bolt Action. So um, I'll start with uh, the question and then I'll hand it off to the individuals to, to answer. Uh, so question one, in a brief answer, how long have you played war games for? Uh, and how much of that time have you played Bolt Action? Uh, so I'll pass this across to start with Bob. Um, yeah, look, I, uh, I started my wargaming about 2017, uh, about August then, uh, playing uh, the Gateway Plastic Crack uh, X, uh, Star Wars X-Wing because you just bust it out of the box and it's ready to go, no painting, no nothing. Um, and then I moved into Legion uh, MCP, uh, I've got some Lord of the Rings stuff that I've been carrying with me for 20 years that I never played until this year, but I uh, started with some bolt action about two years ago after seeing um, some guys playing in our local store and um, mechanics look good and World War II and um, just got a starter box and went from there. Mm. Some very good introduction games that you've listed there, though. Um, I, I, I played <laughs> yeah. both of those myself. They're very good. <laughs> what, what about yourself, Adam? Uh, I've only been playing Bolt Action for less than two years, and that's my only war game so far. Um, obviously, well, a bit of Dungeons & Dragons before that, and I've painted the odd uh, battle game in Middle-earth and 40k mini in the past just for, for fun. But um, yeah, this is my first war gaming experience. Yeah, so, so you're, you're actually quite yeah. on the fresh, fresh edge of, uh, of wargaming yeah. and coming to understand some of the things. Yeah, okay. No, that's good. Uh, what about yourself, Sean? Oh, wow. Way to make me feel old. I started playing <laughs> wargaming when I was... Um, oh, it would have been early 90s, maybe even like late 80s. I, I've actually got a original... Warhammer Forty Thousand Rogue Trader hard copy, hard copy, still in my games room right now. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> so, I start. I started playing Warhammer Forty K as my game, and it went from there. And the um, the first World War Two games that I started played was the fifteen mil Flames of War, and then when Bolt Action first came out, first edition. I jumped into Bolt Action first edition as soon as it appeared. Uh, so yeah. I don't know how many years ago that was. <laughs> I think it was two. Th uh, I want to say two thousand thirteen, but it might have been. Yeah, might have been two thousand. Yeah, as, as I said, yeah. as, as soon as it hit the shelves, um, my play group picked it up and we ran with it. Yeah, that's um, 
I, I'm not necessarily as long in the tooth as you, but I'm getting close. However, Russ, Russ reckons he started wargaming at the age of five. Um, now, knowing Russ, I don't actually put that past him. I reckon that's pretty le <laughs> pretty legitimate. He loves his wargames. Um, he says, originally did it with Airfix and 172nd scale, um, typically with homebrew miniatures before discovering um, DBA and therefore and wargaming at Perth Napoleonics. Um, he also is someone who jumped onto Bolt Action version 1 as soon as it came out. Uh, his playgroup were already doing uh, Operation Overlord, um, which he suspected uh, there may have been some influences already with Alessio in that space. Uh, the games are quite similar, uh, and so everyone in their group moved to Bolt Action as it was the newer, uh, more refined version of what they were playing. Uh, and so it was, uh, uh, yeah, he's also been playing for quite a long time. Uh, and then Nick, Nick's been playing since uh, 2001, Wargames since 2001, started with Warhammer Fantasy Battle uh, and Mordheim, took a hiatus um, from about 2015-2017, um, as he writes, um, after the murder of the Warhammer Fantasy Battle setting, uh, got back into 40k around 7th edition, and then also jumping into bolt action uh, which has then become his primary game system since. Um, so Nick's, um, he's tried to get to a few different events and has had a challenging work schedule, but has, he's, uh, he said that he's going to try and make more in 2024, and uh, the new calendar is going to give him a lot of opportunity to make that happen, so hopefully we, we see him a bit more popping around. Um, those that have listened to the podcast already know my story, and if you want to go listen to it, just um, jump back onto episode one. I'm not going to repeat <laughs> the three-hour episode that it turned into. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then qu question two for the group uh, in the context of bolt action um, do you have a favourite unit and any reason for it being a favourite unit is actually valid in this one so again I'll pass to Bob um, yeah look mine sort of come out of what I own um, I did list quite a few games that I have and I still have all the minis and my wife uh, is uh, always telling me to clean out the shed but I bought a, a, a para box as my starter, starter army, so I just play um, British paras. That's my that's my force. Um, I did buy a new army when I was in the UK uh, recently. Uh, I got to go to Warlord Games, but there was no question I could slip that in, so I just slipped it in now. Um, but no, I have a Gurkha paras in a Bren carrier um, with SMGs. I know that's not one unit, but I that's how I play them. Um, 15 points for five-man squad, so 75-point squad. In a brand carrier, um, hits really hard. Dies does dies uh, dies really hard, um, and it's only five men. And people are scared to let you get close because you get so many benefits in hand to hand. Um, and you know you don't get the penalty for moving and shooting. Uh, and the brand carrier gets to where you need to be. So I feel that that's probably my favourite thing. And I it's probably a crutch for me. I always make sure I've got at least two in any army that I ever put on the board. If I'm going to some sort of tournament, I love the. I love that combo. I think it works really well. I don't think you're being fair necessarily yeah. to say that it's a crutch for you. I think um, whilst they are a good unit, you do have to use them well. Um, um, but no, I think that's a very good, a very good um, opportunity and selection there. What, what about yourself, Adam? Yeah. Uh, well, at the risk of being a bit boring and possibly a bit derivative, uh, I was going to say my favourite unit is Veteran Paris, uh, basically because that's. Uh, the only army I've got uh, is Polish Paris, so Polish Paris with different coloured hats. And, um, yeah, but basically only because um, 
tend to stay alive for a while no matter how badly I command them. Um, yeah, I haven't had much consistent luck with any other small team or vehicle, so those uh, the plucky poles know how to hunker down and stay alive most of the time. <laughs> yep, that's oh, it. are great. That's it. That, I <laughs> might see, so paras are an interesting spot for me because the Soviet ones um, don't get stubborn, and that's largely because if they did, they'd be one of the most broken units in the game because with the combining of the national rules. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm sort of like, I like them, but the ones that I typically started with, they weren't as good as everyone else's paras. <laughs> what, what about you, Sean? Are you also paratrooper? Um... Three for three. No, no, I, I don't own a single para in my entire collection. Um, I've got Rangers, a German mechanized reconnaissance, and um, a Russian naval brigade. Mm -hmm. So, to, to throw a uh, sort of a, a spanner in the works, I, I'm gonna have to give you two favorite ones, but one of them you can probably disregard straight away. Um, my favourite one is a nice little surprising unit in the in the new, uh, uh, Russians is my ampulette launchers. Mm. Yep, I love my little love my little ampulette launchers because they are essentially a short range direct fire light at howitzer, forty points that can hurt any tank that comes at me mm. because it has that special rule that it can set fire to any vehicle even if it doesn't have the the ability to penetrate it. Yeah, which means oh, if oh. I if I hit a vehicle, I'm gonna pull pins on it either way. Yeah, uh, um, I've had and, to fight them. I don't, I don't. Uh, I, I love them. <laughs> I love them because they, they they count as anti anti tank, which mm -hmm. means being Russian, you can take Thanks three of them as a as one as one selection. Yeah. Um, and of course, because I'm playing naval brigade, my favorite unit has to be my big bronicator. <laughs> my boat. <laughs> I mean, they are uh, war game models. Uh, they, that's the one. That's just, the one that has just, the the tank turret on the front, or the rocket launcher, um, and several machine I, guns splattered around the place. And uh, it it comes it comes with one tank turret mm -hmm. and three MMG turrets. Mm -hmm. You can replace one of the MMG turrets at the back with another tank turret or the rocket launcher. Yeah. You can upgrade all the machine gun turrets to be twin MMGs, or you can upgrade them to be a heavy machine gun, or you can upgrade them to be twin heavy machine gun. It's like, it's fun. Yeah. I was, how many guns do you want? All of them, please. Um. Yes, please. Yeah. We, we... yeah it, 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 watch this space. We might have something coming up to to uh, um, sort of make all the people out there in Perth because there is a community of Bronicator lovers. <laughs> Just like there's a team of, of heavy tank heavy lovers, tank there lovers, are bronicators. Yeah. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing what uh, what shenanigans that entails, because it certainly <laughs> will be something. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so passing across to again to Russ. Um, Russ is the way that Russ plays. If you've ever fought against him or watched him play, um, he's very um, tactical. Or, or certainly when he was when he was playing regularly uh, he was in a very tactical space was able to do quite a lot with tools that didn't necessarily look like they could achieve a lot so he actually loves basic rifle squads um, you get so much variety in what those rifle squads can do in what really is considered a basic unit and it really sets the tone for the rest of your army so rifle squads typically 
are the units that will benefit the most from um, just innate national characteristics. You don't pay any extra points, but you get to leverage any rule that comes. So typically him having played Soviets and British in the past, um, those two sets of national rules in particular, they are quite beneficial to just your basic rifleman. And obviously the other one that he's played before is um, Japanese. So, and getting three point fanatics on all your troops for no cost is is a massive, massive boon on, uh, on those troops. Uh, Nick went a little bit, um, not quite the same, but a little bit the same as, uh, as Bob did, where he's like, I'm going to give you two, uh, <laughs> which is um, US combat engineers uh, regular. Uh, so 90 points for eight men, you get two BARs. Um, they go in a Dodge truck. Um, they could walk, but realistically a Dodge truck gives them that mobility. It's the perfect number, eight fits in eight. Um, and they become a Swiss Army knife unit um, with SMGs and a flamethrower. So they're a great cheap um, unit that is flexible and has a lot of synergy with rules um, on their weapon loadout and how you can maneuver them and, and use them in that truck. So very similar um, in the sense of the unit becomes better and I like it more because I can use the transport to leverage it, move them around, get them moving and, and into a space that uh, that they can be very, very effective. Um, so he, he's saying that he typically would always put one of those um, sets in, in his lists as well. So what is then one thing in bolt action that sticks out to you? Um, now, this should be an interesting question considering the spectrum of experience that, that we've got. So, um, so, Bob, what is something that, that sticks out to you for bolt action? Um, oh, I, I, I've got three, because obviously I don't follow instructions well. Um, no, the, the thing that really got me, I, I, I've realised I'm a mechanics kind of guy uh, when, I, when I find games that I really like. So the main thing that really got me into liking bolt action was the order dice mechanic. So X-Wing's got the dials, um, Legion's got, you put orders and, and cart, you've got to bid for who wants to go first. Um, and I just really like that whole idea of, um, you know, you need the dice to come out sometimes, you don't want it to come out other times. And that really uh, adds some tension to the game that I think if it was a you go, I go, turn, you know, unit for unit or um, you know, 40k, I move everything, you move everything, I think the game would lose part of that um, drama that it has that, that you need a dice when you need it and invariably it always, the other person gets theirs. Um, I think the rifle being a rifle, the, the guns being very um, similar across everything, you're not having to remember, all right, you've got this kind of weapon and this weapon in this army does this one and I like that part of it and the country flavour. Um, you know, and it, that seems to be most of it seems to be quite um, on point with with it, and they've done quite a good job of making each country and each nation feel like that. So sorry if I was stolen on someone else's with um, taking three, but those are the three things that really hit me with bolt action and and suck me in quite quickly into the game um, once I started. Yeah, no, I think they're um, they're all very good, very good things, um, Adam. Uh, yeah, continuing the theme of uh, not, uh, having more than one. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, because my thing was uh, yeah. everything. <laughs> uh, I like the historical aspects, painting, uh, relatively easy rules slash low bar for entry. Um, and I guess if I had to narrow it down to one thing, it'd probably be the just the welcoming and friendly community. Just you know, just coming off the street without knowing anything about anything and. Everybody's been helpful and nice, and 
not crunching me too much in tournaments and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, like that. Well, that that is good to hear because we do try not to uh, <laughs> not to have new people get absolutely slaughtered uh, w- w- without learning or without having a chance to you know give a few punches themselves. Um, but uh, okay, well, no, that's that's good. Um, and Sean, I don't know if there's anything left uh, after those two, but what what have you? <laughs> well, I was gonna I was gonna say I'll just pr- probably expand a little bit on what Bob said about mechanics because uh, going from you know, as I said, first edition Rogue Trader uh, Warhammer 40,000. I've gone through all the clunky mechanics that they had for that game system from transparent overlays that you put on different vehicle silhouettes to see where you want to shoot and that sort of thing. And the the simple mechanics and, and the thing that, you know, the, the order dice adds that level of tactical thought into the game because it's it's like representing the fog of war it you don't know when you're going to be able to get your units to activate you don't know uh, when your opposition is going to be moving there guys it, it's it's yeah that that mechan- mechanism is just it, it's just great for representing i think the, the the chaos of of actual battle um and uh and and the historic point that uh, that um Adam was talking about. I'm, you know, my I'm a nerd when it comes to um, military history. My family's like four or five generations Australian Army, and yeah, I'll go into I'll go into a silly little hole and just follow it all the way down and research units and find out what I want to know to make a bolt action army. I think that's very cool. I'm I'm only just at the front end of researching into army lists that i construct and i've found it to be very very rewarding um because i i may not be a history nerd yet i'm i'm working (laughs) i'm working on getting into that space um it's i'm not surprised that the points you've raised are points that have come up for that particular question there are some of them are actually quite common for when you when you ask anyone around the world about what sticks out for bolt action the dice order mechanic is in the simplicity of the game that typically ones that always come to the fore um russ said yeah look there's a lot of things it's probably primarily the community um we have some of uh, what would be considered i guess the better elements of other gaming communities um that are around um however we, we've got a definite um, relax and um, I guess a perspective on making sure both players are having fun. Um, there's only so much you can, in, in our current scene, there's only so much you can really grind out um, an overpowered army. Um, and we seem to have a natural um, a natural way of, um, of keeping that in check. Um, and he enjoys talking to fellow wargamers and about the history and things they're passionate about. He thinks it's something that really benefits um, us for for bolt action. It probably is the same for other systems as well in, in Perth, um, which we've said before. But yeah, definitely for him, that's a big driving factor. Um, and for Nick, yeah, he absolutely is like simple rules mechanics. It, it doesn't require me to check 
um, erratas or FAQs every couple of seconds or if I haven't played games in months like I can play take a break off due to a period of time for whatever reason I can come back and even if there has been some change it's it's so simple to pick up what those changes are that it's actually it's like it hasn't changed at all it's very easy to transition back into playing after a while some war games are not like that some war games can change quite um, quickly or they can have significant changes to how things work um, and not just 40k stuff I'm talking about other war games that I've played before where I'm like okay so prior to this edition of this book it did oh no it's all different now okay um, well alright then um, but bolt action probably uh, I, I suspect even if a rumoured V3 um, comes at Nick's point that you know it's not going to change too drastically is probably going to hold true so then um Given that our current schedule of events is developing, I've, I've now put out the brochure of, of start putting dates towards um, things to plan for next year. What, what are the things that, that you like to see that draw you to an event? Um, so again, leading off with Bob. Um, well, my, my, I'm slightly different, I think, from the other guys because I'm down in Albany. So um, for anyone who's not listening from WA, we're on four-hour drive um, just from the city. Uh, so for me to come up, it's a it's a big it's a big deal. So I generally, if it's on a Saturday, is a big deal for me. Uh, Sundays, it's just sometimes a bit too hard to leave straight away to get home for work on Monday. Um, I if there's really nice prizes, I like to think that I might have a chance of winning one one day, and that's always a a big thing for me. Is if there's cool prizes, then you know it's nice to come home with something shiny and. I find the, the events I've been to, there's always there's always something. I'm always come home with with something cool. Um, and look, I'm a, I'm an aspirational gamer, I suppose. And um, I always try to get to Perth for the other systems if there's a a world's type uh, deal going on. And as um, uh, there doesn't seem to be an organised play style um, system quite yet with Warlord. Uh, if they get that off the ground and and there's there's qualifiers and things like that, then I will, I would happily travel to Sydney or Melbourne for those sorts of things. Um, I like that idea. Um, as I'm an older man now, I'm, I'm almost 50, even though I don't behave like it. Um, I, this is my competition outlet now. Um, so I can't really play really competitive sports. I can play for fun, but this is sort of my uh, competitive outlet as well so you know I'd really like one day to say that I actually went to a Worlds for one of the games that I play um, that is my dream so if if uh, if all I get off the ground something along those lines then yeah I would be there in a, in a heartbeat I'll make that happen if you had on a Wednesday afternoon I would turn up to that that's um, sort of a big on my list of things cool that's that's very cool actually um, to, to mm. consider I know that there are some events that are run um, internationally that that claim to be a world setup, but they're not quite a world setup um, in the in the way that you're, you're yeah, talking. Yeah. But um, but yeah, yeah, you know, very 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 good points, um, Adam. Uh, yeah, no, that was well interesting. I sort of can relate to the uh, um, jeez, lost my train of thought. <laughs> Forget that bit. Um, uh, I was just going to say that uh, I just like the fact that there's a semi-regular schedule. We're more regular now. That there's events coming along fairly regularly. So uh, just the fact that there's a variety means you can pick and choose what you are interested in. 
obviously still being at the early stages, the sort of the more vanilla stuff, I guess, is, is you know, just wrapping my head around the basic rules at this stage. So I don't want to stray too far from uh, getting crazy. I imagine the guys that have been playing it for years and years are probably looking for different challenges, but uh, I'm not quite there yet. So, um, so yeah, just uh, just the opportunity to get out and uh, roll dice and push models around is um, is good enough for me. I'm not looking for much beyond that at this stage. Well, that is certainly something that for 2024, um, so far it looks like we're going to be able to make sure that there's opportunity for you to do that. Uh, Sean? I am a big fan of themed events. So, um, for example, of, we've got the... Uh, Three aside coming up, I think. Band of Brothers. Um, Band of Brothers, where it's a team of three against another team of three. Yeah. Um, I think for the last two years of that, um, I've been Albany's make weight. So <laughs> the team comes up from Albany and uh, someone hasn't been able to come up and I've joined the Albany team that's come up in the last two years. Um, and the, the Southern Thrust game... Um, that was on uh, last last year. Um, it was themed around early war. It, I didn't have an early war army, but it gave me motivation to grab a few different models and make up a make up an early war army and get in my car and drive down to Albany. It was great. I that that is also something which um, we're trying to look at as to how can we make sure that we have like. Running events is fine. We don't want them all to suddenly just become vanilla because you know, well, we know we know what we're doing now. It's like no, no, no. We want to make sure that it's applicable for everybody to try to come to at least some of them. And what's the theme? Drive that theme part home so that we can actually, you know, as you say, provide inspiration for someone who, um, you know, really enjoys that aspect of the hobby. Um, to make sure that we're servicing that as well. But no, I'm I'm glad you called that out. Um. So from Russ's view on things that he's looking at, at events or things that will draw him to events, um, he, he started with literally anyone that I can actually get to work and kids permitting, which I can 100% relate to. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yes. Um, he, said he really wants to get down um, to Albany uh, and, and even down into Bunbury for events there. Unfortunately, he just has not had the opportunity to do so. Um, and unfortunately, he's, he was missing out on the most recent skulls as well. Um, so he's had, he's had a couple of events he's not been able to get to, so he's looking forward to getting to a few more. Uh, Nick's point of view actually dovetails a little bit with um, with one of yours your responses, um, Bob. So Nick really likes seeing prize support at events that is specifically not cash so so actually something that they can use in their hobby as a bonus as a reward for effort that's being put through as opposed to just a cash prize um, but also having an event structure that doesn't require you to be a win at all cost style gamer which and and to clarify where he's talking about win at all cost gamers in that space um, that the intent is pushing for absolutely every single point at every single opportunity um, and it keeps make sure that it keeps the games that are thematic or the gamers who do just want to come and have fun push some models around roll some dice and be in the running for be it raffle prizes door prizes whatever um, when when you when you are not um, forcing your structure to support um, a win at all costs approach 
because the prize support is equitable for, for everybody to come. So sometimes we will have competitive things that do drive more that way. But um, but yeah, certainly on Nick's point of view, he's he's glad when, when they don't go that way because uh, he also doesn't get to get around to too many tournaments. So Now, of course, this question, and I really struggled about whether I put this question in, but I think considering that I asked you what you like, it's only fair that I also ask you what you don't like and what are the things that we've been doing that you're like, oh, we don't really like that so much. Um, so, Bob, how can I improve? What, what are the things that are, that are happening at events that are a bit on the nose or the things that you, you, you probably would want to see drop away? Um, look, <clears throat> you talk to a few people down here. Apparently, I'm super gamey. So mine is more of a um, is more of a structural thing in your tournaments. So um, a few times I've been up and I'm unclear on how you figured out um, tiebreakers. So like in a lot of games, um, like especially FG, FFG and AMG games, they they have a, a set tournament structure. So it's it's strength of schedule or it's um, margin of victory, that kind of stuff, and and it maybe was me not reading the the pack properly, which which is a common theme of mine as well. But um, it it's more just knowing how where I'm going to fit and what I need to do in the next match. So do I need to absolutely tail someone up, or do I just need to get a win, or or that side of things? Because um, that's how I uh, once I when I first started playing um, competitively in stuff. That's how I look at it when I'm at tournaments, right? How do I, how do I achieve the best result that I can? And, you know, um, or does it not really matter how I go here because it's just on wins or whatever. So that's just me personally. Um, other than that, I haven't really, you know, uh, except having to play Colter Jackson every time I come to a tournament, um, I haven't really had any problems with the way things are structured. So, um, yeah. So yeah, that's that, that was that was money feedback anyway. That, that's all right. Um, yeah. And and just for transparency, I am recording some generic notes here so we can actually take the feedback on and make it better. Um, oh yeah, yeah, no, that's all good, man. That's all good. Yeah, no, I, like I said, I haven't really the the tournaments always run run really well and everyone's welcoming and and it's pretty good. You know, there's only little things, but they're stuff you have to deal with in a game. That's not actually anything to do with the way you're running your tournaments. So okay. Okay, that's, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, Adam. Uh, good. Uh, yeah, I don't really think I have much to, uh, if anything, to complain about. Um, obviously, haven't been to a lot, and my experience means uh, it's, um, you know, there's, I haven't got a new frame of reference to uh, to compare it to anything. So um, I, just, I was just going to say that uh, like the variety in the event, so... This means that you know if you like something, you know, this events that you do, like is going to come along eventually. Um, you're not going to please everyone, so a variety just means that you know something will come along at some stage. Uh, any feedback I'd probably add to that, probably relating into the last point as well, was just um, I think somebody mentioned themes, like you know, like uh, I think the last Albany one was. Uh, early war so you know putting a year range or a campaign or special forces or something I guess would bring um, uh, even even different points or escalation or something like that just to uh, just to keep that variety going in, in theme so it's not just all generic reinforced platoons all the time um, that's, uh, that's it for me 
That's all right. Again, thank you very much. Um, some still some good points there. Um, even though you're I, newer within, I guess, the overall scene, um, your opinion, your input, your your feedback definitely still matters. Um, Sean, I have no complaints except one. There's not enough water for me to put my bronicator on. <laughs> <laughs> not enough rivers. Got it. Um. <laughs> Right, right. They have to be wide enough so you can turn the bronicator around and go back the other way. Oh, so like no, no, just inches. thin rivers and he just goes one way. Yeah, you just, <laughs> channel, just Literally, there, there's out nothing. Of the deployment up. zone to the edge of the board. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Straight across it. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to get you to come around to my place sometime, Daniel. I've actually been testing and working out the width of rivers and things that I need to be actually modeled up. So I'll show you what I've done so far. <laughs> I, I I do feel that there is something between between yourself and Chris Ramsey, who's also another big fan um, of of the uh, of the wonderful river river tank boat thing. Um, I I very much think that I'm like that. Surely there's something we can do to make a really really fun themed event around like naval assault landings or or something. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll... you're also talking to. I was going to say you're also talking to the guy who's made a, a 17th SS um, mechanized reconnaissance force that has ten swim dragons in it. <laughs> yes, yeah, true. I did see that list, and you did saw what I wrote in response to that list, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> you printed it out and put in the uh, put it in the bin and burnt it beyond all recognition. <laughs> Yes, I, I was impressed and yet immediately like, no, I'm, I'm, I, <laughs> it, was, it was quite a fun looking list. Um, so from, from Russ's point of view, um, for things that, that, yeah, that he'd like to avoid, he starts with the, the, um, the ironic but classic comment of um, cheese is always a little bit on the nose. Um, th there's nothing really that he thinks here as a community. Um, he doesn't, sorry, he doesn't think there's, there's nothing immediately that we need to take away that's causing any big challenges for us. Um, he thinks we have a lot of options available to the community right now for events. Um, we we definitely try to keep them varied. Um, and the other TOs, we're all comfortable that we have different approaches and, and that we talk with each other and try and make sure feedback does get circulated. Um, he's recently enjoyed, however, some of the casual random mission days, which were a, a lot more uh, laid back and would potentially like to see more of them. Um, <laughs> then he's written also, it's like, it'd be good to see Daniel actually get to play more events. Um, yes, that's that's, <laughs> that, that's a standard thing. It'll happen when it happens. Um, Nick's point of view, um, Nick actually had, again, very much along that theme line, um, he, he would suggest that if we started bringing more time period restricted events, such as um, potentially a strict early war only setup, um, because he's a US player, um, the US player during early war has very limited options in how they can build their armies if you're using theater selectors. Um, and so that's something to be aware of. Not necessarily, it's not necessarily a, a, um, something to stop doing, but it's certainly something to be aware of when we're planning out those things and make sure that we have um, other avenues. And you know, from my point of view, if other avenues could be, perhaps we have loner armies available on the day for people that 
you know don't have us or so or have us and, and can't play early war or something like that um uh, which we're maybe closer to achieving some of those sorts of things as well um and then largely things that are geared towards competitive play um, but uh, and allowing multiple sets of multiple launches while game time is actually limited or having massive uh, dice count armies whilst having limited time and so you end up in a position where you can't progress the game far enough to actually get a determinable result you will end up with a result by default of the number of units involved um, so if you have two 18 dice lists fight each other that can actually turn into you get to the end of maybe turn four after some hard fighting on a good board with good lists and you're like we actually can't really do like it'll be a draw but neither of us feel satisfied with where that game actually went and that's a fair point too um something to, uh, for us to, to pick up and work with so then um the, so question number six, have you experienced concepts and ideas from other areas um, which you would like to explore within Bolt Action? So this is talking about things like actual research, um, uh, TO&E charts, um, particular scenarios or stories that have been um, you know, read or, or, or passed around as things to be done. Um, and, and so this is a bit more open. So so Bob, what, what did you have as a response to to uh, concepts or ideas from other areas or potentially systems? Oh, um, hang on. I've, have I written the thing? Yeah, right. So, um, oh, so I, I, I really didn't, uh, I said if I had the space uh, to access all factions, I'd love to do some sort of campaign where you basically recreating um, different theatres of the war and, and see if you can get a different result and almost RPG it where you, you get benefits from being victorious and stuff and i know um there's you know uh, lord of the rings kind of has one with their their um version and and there's different ones around um the only problem is is i don't have the bandwidth to create something like that and uh i don't think um i'm uh, all, all the talent i'm not not good at i'm okay at reading semi-reading rules and playing games but i'm not good at creating stuff so um but you know being able to have you know right this is the access and you you play a range of games over a period of time but that always becomes difficult because people drop in and out and and time restraints and stuff that would be something i'd really enjoy with um as far as getting technical and stuff i i just enjoy um how the game is set i'm not really looking at having proper um, army setups and what they would have been in real life and that, because I think all of a sudden you, you, you're not going to be, um, there's going to be people who are just out, out. Uh, it's not even. Um, and I don't have the, the, the forces. I've only got a, a limited amount of models. So for me, um, yeah, just a campaign-y type thing I think I'd enjoy, but finding the people to play with, especially in Albany, we're all sort of a, quite a small community. So um, it, that has become difficult. But there, yeah, that was my... That was my thoughts on that particular one. Mm, no, so certainly the idea of campaigns has come up several times um, uh, across uh, the through uh, different events. Um, so well, I'll have to put some more thought into how we can get that off the ground effectively in, in, in the wider footprint of WA. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adam? Yeah. Um, uh Obviously, I've always had a history, a interest in military history, um, like Sean was saying, personally and uh, and family. Um, so, but now that I've 
focused on bolt action and found myself doing a lot more reading and video watching about World War II and looking more in depth into camo patterns and vehicle markings and unit compositions and all that stuff for painting and and list building. Um, you know, that yeah, much more than I than I have before. I'm trying to get all that correct. Um, it's uh, World War II is a, a big topic, so there's always something new to learn. So uh, yeah, just enjoying deep diving into that and you know whether that uh, translate I don't know if it's going to translate into gameplay but uh, just definitely translating into enjoyment of the hobby good uh, one one would probably argue that uh, it has achieved its goal then uh, if you're enjoying the hobby in my book that's, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. typically point number one what about yourself Sean um, this question made me go back to essentially my first army when I started in first, you know, bolt action version one, which is my ranger list. Um, I immediately wanted to find out all I could because I didn't know anything about rangers. And I found out all the different types of rangers that there were. I mean, uh, they were all volunteers and the different ranger regiments and where they were and, um, and, when I chose the ranger unit uh, division that I wanted to basically go with, I also didn't get pedantic, but I wanted to sort of stay in theme. So when I read a lot of their stories, um, the guys in in uh, in Europe, the rangers really didn't sort of, for example, operate with armor very often. Um, so I don't have any Sherman tanks in any of my uh, uh, lists at all. Um, I think the heaviest vehicle I could find that the Rangers actually operated with in conjunction in uh, Europe were the um, Greyhounds and um, later later in war um, when Chaffees came along. So the only tank that I have that will I'll fill with my Rangers will be a Chaffee. Um, it's a good tank. Um, that's about it. Yeah. So, I, you know, I've got books on rangers and, and I look at the, T, you know, the organisations, the TO and E charts, and, mm. and I, I won't go into trying to match it exactly, but I'll try and at least try and keep it in the realms of possibility of what they would have had. Yep. I, I can absolutely um, understand that. It's very similar to how I set my uh, original Soviet force up. Um, and, and just I was like I know nothing about their structure or what they were doing and I'm going to use some unreliable sources on the internet to inform me um, <laughs> I, I probably should have got a book but <laughs> um, so then Russ uh, Russ took my question probably um, at its broadest aspect so he said um, you know are, are there concepts and ideas and issues from other areas that he'd like to explore is like yeah but it's so hard to cover all of World War Two. like it's that when, when you're when you're looking at trying to com bring stuff into the war game for him it's like world war ii is just huge like the actual reality of what was covered where areas and places it was fought, the different things that were used like was massive um he would love to do things like lesser known battles like the oboe landings 1945 um 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 done i might be mispronouncing oh sorry doing lesser known battles like the Oboe landings in 1945, Um I might even tackle this one myself in the future. Um, Jackson did such a great job with his Budapest event um, that he unfortunately set a, re oh, sorry, that he sets a, a high standard for everyone. Um, 
and and so yeah th there are lots of things that that he would love to see um, and people like Andy um, Andy Lawson and Outpost like seeing how creative his boards can be and that's inspiring him to want to do something all of a sudden in like trying to build uh, a nice inspired board to actually suit the battles he wants to do so um, so R Russ definitely has a uh, a broad perspective on on the things that he'd like to engage in, in that space but the lesser known battles is probably one that um that we can look to do some accommodating for uh and then nick um nick actually went from a rules mechanic point of view um and said he'd actually love to see the suppression mechanic from star wars legion where at the end of the turn you remove a point of suppression or in this case mm -hmm. a pin, um from each unit unless you're inexperienced because there's got to be a penalty somewhere um same for the officers um he's always said that the officers have struggled with utility so the officers themselves yes okay they're mandatory and they have their morale um, and they've got their snap too but you only ever take up to maybe a first lieutenant unless you're really pushing the theme in hard like unless you, there's no real reason to ever consider a major or a captain in normal in normal circumstances so he's like you could you could say that an, if an officer is taking a rally order that you're able to you know remove excess pins not just the one and you like so some sort of uh morale um effect that actually affects units around him not just himself as an individual um and so building that in which he's seen in a, apparently another game where your command teams actually have a much more real impact on keeping your units in the fight uh, which i thought was a very interesting idea uh, as 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 especially because pins can be so um, pivotal in the game a way to have a higher command team actually interact with those in in a very serious yeah. way would be quite um, interesting yeah legion has a, a thing you you've got a morale level and if you su surpass it you lose one of your actions etc but if you're within a certain distance of the of the leader um you get to use their morale value which is generally higher so in this case say you take one pin off at the end if you're within you know six inches of your of your leader who's a first lieutenant you get to take two pins off or if you're within you know 12 inches of a of a captain or whatever so you could extend it out and and that would be something along those lines where then your leader has a has a reason actually to be up and amongst them that that would be something i could see i think that's what he's trying to get at um with that that would actually work um quite well give them like you said a, an extra utility rather than just being a Attacks, um right. the thing you forget to always do yeah yeah i <laughs> look you always forget you always forget to do the the you know the the extra order i can't remember what the actual term oh, is but snap um you know where you can the snap two you always forget the snap two but it actually is would be really useful sometimes after a game i go oh that would have been great if i could have gone with those two things but um yeah but just a the pin getting rid of pins would be never thought of that uh, mechanic from legion in yeah, well, when, quite good. yeah when i yeah, read sorry. his response i was i was like if if that's um, I need to read up again on Legion because because what he's written out, I was like, that's that's actually a very interesting um, interesting way. We we might have to try it for an event and see if we can get some captains and majors on the board. <laughs> we, yeah. we we like messing with things like that. Um, so yeah. then, so so then the uh, the million dollar question, um, which we always typically uh, it's asked around the world in bolt action spheres and. You have the ability to change one thing in bolt action. What's it going to be? Do you want to start us off, Bob? 
Yeah, well, I went down the rules line um, because most of the things that I play with are, are pretty good. Um, and mine's just the embarking rules. So I use transports a fair bit to get my guys around. Um, the first army I ever brought to a tournament was just a, I had no vehicles. I hadn't printed any, I hadn't bought any. Um, and just getting across the board was a pain. So vehicles came in. So the embarking rules of where you have to, when you get in a vehicle, back into a vehicle, it can't move that turn. I feel really, really... Um, I think one of the better dumb um, because you can drive up and hop out of a vehicle, but you can't hop in a vehicle and drive off. I think it's just counterintuitive. Most of the most of the rules I understand, and you go, "Yep, that makes sense." Like, yeah, flamethrower can destroy a tank. Um, my brother-in-law hates that rule. He thinks that's he thinks that's a dumb rule. But um, I just think if if you're standing next to a vehicle that you just got out of, you should be able to hop back into it. And maybe you can only do an advance. You can't do a run or or whatever, or you can't jump back out again at the end of their movement, um, I'd be okay with that. Like, you can either go in or out. You can't do both in the same action, in the same turn. I think that's fine. Um, not that you could anyway, but uh, just, I just, just that's my that's my bugbear. And I always feel I do it wrong. Occasionally, I just jump in and I drive off, and we both forget, and after the game, I go, oh, I actually cheated um, inadvertently. So, um, yeah, that would be the rule that I would change. Yeah, that's... That is always one that um, it, it makes your transports a one-way delivery system, essentially. Um, and, and it's something which yeah. artillery is even worse. You don't even bother towing the artillery yeah. for the most part if you can do anything to avoid doing that because you just lose turns worth of shots. Um, I understand the unlimbering component and that, that makes sense, but, it, but the fact that you lose three turns if you want to attach it back and then drive it and then get it off again it's like that's just never going to happen <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what a, that's, I, that's a very good place to start Adam what, what do you what do you think uh, mine's probably a little bit broader uh, just uh, mine was a well set out clear and concise rule book um, yep. because yes. I haven't had a ground in other mm -hmm. war games so I'm coming in cold you know, I'm getting old, I've got a full-time job, I've got a bad memory at the best of times. Um, so absorbing all that info is hard enough without it being convoluted and contradictory and ambiguous. And just so, um, mixed around I'll, the place, right? Yeah. Yeah, and look, yeah, things thing, are the wrong you know, trying to jump around. Uh, yeah. I've actually given, I don't know how far I get with it, but started like, rewriting it out in my own words to like try to make more sense of it and help absorb it a bit better but uh yeah so there, that's, there is i mean hopefully a, that a community made um index have you got a copy of that oh uh, yeah, yeah 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 that helps uh, a little but bit. then i find like i've just got like a pile of sheets at tournaments and flicking through different yeah. sheets of paper trying to keep up with everything yeah yeah yeah, that is, uh, I put it in one of my responses to the questions when I thought I was still going to give them and, and, and I was like, yeah, um, someone else made a comment in this question so I didn't have to. Um, <laughs> I'll, we'll get to that. Um, Sean. Uh, my one thing has mostly been fixed over the years. It's access to the miniatures that I want to get hold of. So... You know, I play mechanized reconnaissance Germans and it was often hard to get hold of like a two, three, four slash three light, you know, the the 
wrecky armored car with a light howitzer in it, or yep. uh, I wanted particular models. And because we're waiting on Warlord or someone to put out a model, I wouldn't have it. Mm. So I'd have to make something other than what I wanted. But mostly because I've been playing for so many years, I've managed to collect the bits and pieces from here and there and wherever I could find them. That was the one thing that I suppose bugged me early on when I started playing bolt action. And it's a it's a very um, because they came in that they didn't come in for example at like one seventy second scale. They came in at one the at the heroic proportion scale for um, twenty eight millimeter, um, which the the line of vehicles that they needed to create that simply didn't exist in one fifty six was quite a lot. <laughs> it was, um, yes yeah it's certainly i would say the affordable range because you could go out and find custom stuff all over the place but it was it was like die cast models and they they're not cheap and they're they're very heavy <laughs> it's uh it's interesting so russ said you know from his point of view cat just knocked a dice off my <laughs> off the table um Russ's point of view, um, he thinks that the easy thing would be um, changing or reviving a light commando raid style of game within the official rules. So actually creating a smaller scale starter um, for bolt action where, so firefight is typically what would be referenced as, as that space right now, but actually turning that into a game system um, as an alternative way to get started. So instead of buying an entire platoon you may only buy a section um, and they change you know offer you know section boxes rather than platoon boxes to accommodate that um, which was interesting um, but it's driven from the point of view that Russ always likes meeting new people and getting them involved in the hobby so um, the, the, the reality is if we make things too challenging to get involved up front um some people won't want to engage or they might be coming from skirmish games and they go wait it's an army game and they look and they go that's like a hundred times more miniatures than what i have right now and when you're on the outside and potentially adam your viewpoint is the most relevant to this when when you're coming into wargaming and you don't have a history um, of understanding how it works as they can be quite I expect daunting um, when we all get started that it's like this is a lot like this is and we, we look at it as existing wargamers away it's not that much like it's actually much much better than other systems <laughs> and it's like no no you don't this is a lot <laughs> and so I think yeah. that's um yeah exactly. mm. it's I mean, a very taken, interesting point you know nearly a year to uh, collect and build and paint an army for the first tournament then you get there and realize that probably all wrong so yeah. you know then you've got to like start anchoring around the edges of what you've got you're not going to start a whole fresh army from scratch again so no, that's right. um so yeah like you're saying it's uh it would be nice to sort of be able to build up a bit slower yeah and and, and by building up i guess in more bite-sized chunks as opposed to you know what's my smallest box well, I mean, technically there are model boxes available, but if we're looking at new starters, they're typically going to buy a 30-man box to get their core established and ready to go. Um, so an interesting idea. Um, Nick nailed this one on the head, which is where I went um, to, a, to a degree. And so his thing that he would change, um, he says, you know, with, 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 all, with all respect, um, 
the designer editing team. Uh, you know, I, I love the core concept and mechanics of the game. Um, however, we're in a situation where the game has started to show signs of becoming bogged down with writers in theatre books, um, essentially while focusing on what their passion is and they're doing their research and they're writing in units and different types uh, in those theatre books. They're not necessarily thinking of what that's doing to the overall macro uh, space of the system so they're not they're not they're not trying to reinvent the wheel but some of those things have happened so uh, when i think about rules for fortifications rules for how you do um uh you know night fighting um all these extra things that aren't normally part of a game there are several ways to play those which is why we typically don't immediately bring them into events um is there's just a couple of a couple of tight like some things you get fortifications sometimes you have to pay points for fortifications sometimes you have to you know do certain things on on whether and sometimes you don't and sometimes you have theater selectors with rules that are applicable for that and then have no value outside of the scenario nick's concern there is that the more of that that happens um and where every uh unit or regiment starts getting a special rule it moves more towards what 40k was in originally where you've got lots of just um it's typically known as rules bloat where like everything has a special rule that if you want to play and certainly like in bob's case if you want to play competitively you now have to go and relearn every single army and each unit in that army as to what they do that's not what bolt strength was bolt strength was the fact that it was simple and fun to play um, and so too much of that campaign stuff being added um can create a problem um and then he says and in case blue italians going from a fluffy choice that only dedicated players wanted to play because it was challenging and fun to suddenly being hyper competitive because a cavalry unit can charge twice um and that's just <laughs> i was like mm, you got three things in there but i'll let them pass um <laughs> um so again moving on to uh, and I'll just I'll just take this moment to do a checkpoint. Is everyone still comfortable? Okay. Anyone need a toilet break? I'm good. My uh, wife just bought me a drink. Nice. No, I'm going alright. Should be okay for now. Perfect. All right, we will continue. Um, so moving on to some of the broader perspectives, uh, what is one thing that you believe that you gain benefit from by engaging in the hobby? What do you think, Bob? Um, yeah, look, my, mine's a. Oh, that's, I, I work in education, so this is sort of a bit, um, a bit buzzwordy. But um, I've got um, mindfulness and communication, uh, community. So um, I, when I first started, when I moved out of X Wing and, and bought a Legion Army, I, 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 I bought Lord of the Rings in two thousand and one when it came out because I love Lord of the Rings, and I tried painting from the games workshop books there was no such thing as the internet i had no idea what i was doing and no one to play so i i just cut it around this sort of half painted very poorly gray plastic stuff and and i bought a new army and i, I bought into legion and it had painting and i was like oh the painting always killed me but um i found that to be really quite relaxing it's like a meditation um just sitting down painting a unit um, although I did try to paint yellow was one of my first colours and uh, almost gave up immediately because we all know yellow is a terrible colour to paint. Um, but going on from that, um, 
than just list building um, and wish listing what I want to get. And um, if I'm having trouble trying to go to sleep, I'll just start building lists in my head and I, I drift off. It just, it's like a meditation, that sort of thing. Um, and then community. So playing games, common interests, um, like they say, men don't talk to each other face to face. They talk shoulder to shoulder, but you know, we play across the game from someone and you, you end up having chats and you, you learn about them and, and in it's, it's over a common thing. And with this being world war two and you, yeah, you see people's passions and where they're from. So I think for us as, as guys, it's a mainly male, um, hobby. Let's be, be honest. There's not a lot of uh, females that turn up to events and when they do it's great but it's mainly a guy thing and, and it's really good that we get to um that kind of community um and it's been really hard down in albany we lost our store um and all my other games have pretty much died the only games that are uh surviving is 40k because that's the thing that will survive the holocaust and um and bolt action because john down here does an amazing job and and keeps everyone together and and we've got a couple other guys that are coming in and and trying to start up a few things as well um and it's the yeah, it's the community and and the mindfulness i think are the two real things that i've that i've got out of wargaming as a hobby and and bolt action itself as well great answer sorry that was a bit long no no it's fine yeah no it's uh, very similar to that, actually. Um, basically, one thing is is mental health. Because uh, I was in the market for a new hobby after you know, sports injuries meant I couldn't run around anymore. So um, you know, it just gives me something to think about besides work and work around the house and real life. And so you get to come home and you some painting to unwind and researching the history and lists and you know building lists and that just to you know focus on something other than like i said all the all those problems in the world so you get to listen to podcasts and watch videos you know the regular club games to break up the working week and occasional events to mix with the community very similar to uh to what bob was saying but yeah that's definitely definitely that for me as well also another good answer, Sean. Oh, it's it's got to be the people. It, it there, there's nothing else besides the people that draw me to want to keep coming back to these games because it's all about you and the other guy on the other side of the table, um, rolling a few dice and having some laughs. Um, as I have gotten older, the your, your friends that you might have had when you were growing up or going through school or university or wherever you happen to be might tend to drift away. So I've found that the, the active circle of friends as I've gotten older has gotten smaller. So as, as both Bob and Adam have alluded to, it's great for mental health and it's great for you know meeting new people and community-wise. Yep. Um, for the record... I agree with all three of you, um, and actually both Russ and Nick have outlined similar comments. This was the one question where everyone was, I expected to be unanimously aligned, um, and yeah, you know, Russ has said the same thing, you know, he's, he's got mad friends that have become complete total mates um, outside of the hobby, um, you know, and they've been in the hobby side, even though they haven't always been either working together or at school together or whatever. Um, 
they have been friends doing stuff with the hobby over two decades uh like it like that's it's a long time and there's a lot of we actually spend a lot of time at events rubbing shoulders with people trying to you know and we're all here to have fun and just as you know as you've all said just take a this is about having fun and just relaxing and just enjoying some of us will play really hard some of us will play for theme and enjoy some of or a mix of both it's all okay it actually doesn't matter come and enjoy um yeah that that's something which which is very interesting to see the cross section that most people are actually all in it for the right the, not the right reasons but certainly a similar reason this was a question nine was a bit of a trick question painting hobby aids and improved game performance are they linked uh so so bob what did you make of this one uh i said no um i'm a look uh i think your how you prepare your armies it, it that's that's a completely different skill. Um, I know people who are awesome painters who they don't even play games; they just love painting um, and and hobbying. Um, really, it's it's uh, it's your your practice, your strategy, your list knowledge uh, are going to improve your game performance. Not um, I put not how pretty your bases are because um, I'm terrible at basing, so that's where I'm jealous. Um, but it's more um, and who you play against. So, you know, um, we're in Albany. I think we've got 10, 12 people maybe that have models and play um, to varying degrees. Um, and, you know, I play down here. I'm, I'm probably, you know, top four out of those people, you know. And I come to Perth and I'm always mid-range. And then I'm sure if we went across to... Um, New South Wales or Victoria where they've got a bigger community, we would, you know, our top players would be mid-range there. And then if we go to the UK where the community is even bigger, I would be bottom half. And that's okay because, you know, sharpens uh, steel, sharpens steel, right? So the, the better people you play, the, the more you play, the bigger your community is, um, the, the better your best players are. That is just in all games that I've played that is pretty much it. The, the people who put the time and effort into uh, actual design practice, they get better at the, the game. Game performance is is a different skill altogether to modelling and, and, and hobbying. And, and I wish I was a good painter, but I just don't have the patience and, and I've got too many games. And, and, you know, I'm a three-foot painter. If it looks good from three feet, it's fine. I think you would have seen my armies. They're always painted, but you get up close enough. They, they're not very good, but... You put them on a table with some nice terrain, they fit in there, it's yeah, all good. So I don't think paint has anything to do with it, really, personally. Uh, what, what do you think, Adam? Uh, well, I might have to change my answer after that. Bob's just convinced me that I'm wrong. <laughs> but uh, uh, Basically agreeing that uh, I don't think they're necessarily directly linked. I was going to say that I'm guessing that the sort of person that puts time and effort into other parts of the hobby probably puts effort into becoming a better player as well um yeah that's the main thing i've got other points that actually veer wildly off topic but uh <laughs> that's probably the direct answer to the question I do, I do think that that is a good point um that that if someone enjoys putting the effort into uh, the painting and the modeling um they are possibly more likely to put effort into playing the game well um sean i agree with everything though that's been said by 
looking at the guys beforehand, um, <laughs> with one light-hearted uh, sort of maybe a, a addition, there's always the new model curse. Yeah. You put a nicely new painted, yeah. new, new painted, new painted tank on the table. You've never played with it before. It's going to perform badly. Yes. You put a or die. Uh, or you, die. Yeah, you, you put a squad of you put a squad of infantry down that you've just finished painted. They're gonna die. <laughs> and this this was really the trick question part of it because. The, Everybody thinks no, they're not related. Not related. It's like, wait, did you only paint them yesterday? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, they, yeah. are, they are oh, not yeah. going to perform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I I am a I'm a staunch believer in um, painted miniatures perform better. Um, but that's because my normal performance is abysmal, and so I can get away with saying that. <laughs> Because because on the odd occasion they'll do well, but just generally not the brand new unit. And in fact, certainly in game groups that I've been part of in the past, we deliberately would snipe the newly painted stuff to keep that curse in play. Um, <laughs> this is just confirmation bias, really, isn't it? It's you, you notice it dies. <laughs> you notice it dies because you love it so much because you've just done it, and the guy doesn't die any more than others. And the funny part is, it actually doesn't matter what they would have... Like, they could have killed three or four <laughs> units before dying. It won't matter. They're useless because they died and no. they were just painted. <laughs> oh, no, I get it. That's why I don't paint anything. <laughs> Maybe that's why my stuff performs so poorly, is I spend too much time painting it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, a lovely, a, don't get me wrong, a lovely painted army. I love looking at everyone's models and seeing the amazing work people do. I still think people who bring display boards are cheating when they go for best army, but that's a different story. <laughs> but a lovely painted army, playing against it is just, it's it's a joy. Um, it, it increases the game experience. Playing against, you know, there's a couple of guys down here who just don't paint, so you play against grey plastic in lots of other games, and it just... It takes you out of the immersion and the enjoyment of the game. So, um, I, like I said, I would love to be a, a better painter um, because I just love playing against well-painted armies. I'll go out of my way to play people with well-painted armies because they're just—it's just—and it just makes the game so much more enjoyable and a lovely table. And, and you all know that—that that, that just enhances it. So, yeah, it—it it, it, it doesn't make game performance, but the actual game experience is increased with with better. Um, hobby and, and painting. Yep, that's where we're lucky here. There's uh, there is a good uh, standard of painting in cross that I've seen. Oh. It's like it's very, you know yep. you're trying to vote for best painted and you're like they're all good. How do you pick? So, yeah, and and tables as well. The the tables we get to play on are just are awesome, especially even at the tournaments where you've got. You know, I've been to, I think there was like 10 tables or 12 tables and they're all just, they're all nice. There's no, oh, look, we've got some cardboard cutout stuff here because we ran out of stuff or or we've, we've had to limit what, how much terrain we've got. You've just got our tables, I think we get to play and I think we're actually quite spoiled in our communities. They're just lovely tables. People have put some time, money and effort into making the experience for us all um, amazing. That's, yeah, that's off topic, but that's, yeah, part of it, it I think. It is a relatively it's still attached to that question and, and you're right the the yeah. 
The only reason that I get to run events with such amazing terrain is because it's coming from the community. It's not my stuff. If it was my stuff, it would be the cardboard boxes that I still have from when we <laughs> started. Um, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, it, it's I, I, I can never say thank you enough to the community who have created that opportunity atmosphere for us to come play games in. It's, it's amazing. Every time, it's amazing. So what about things like, and so we've talked a lot about what I would call vanilla bolt action with its campaign books, um, it's all related to World War II. The next question, question 10, talks about supplement periods, um, which typically be it fan-made like um, VC on the trail for Vietnam or the Korea supplement um, or even other community mods like um, there's a Star Wars bolt action community mod um, where where it's basically there's profiles they've created for all the Star Wars minis and they just play bolt action but in the Star Wars universe um, is there any interest in in that sort of thing um, Bob well, I didn't actually know there was a Star Wars mod until I read the question this afternoon. And so now I'm going to have to research it because um, I, I do like Star Wars and I've got lots of Star Wars minis. But um, my thing really is it all sounds great, but I have, um, like all of us, a limited um, minis budget and um, I'm already spread too thin. So to go into Vietnam or um, Korea, the thing about Bolt Action that I managed to sell was that we've pretty much got an army in a box. I've got a 3D printer so I can print some vehicles if I need them. Um, and I buy the the dudes because I do still like to support the company that makes the game. But um, for me, it's just I've got too many games. So um, it sounds great. And, and of course, I'd probably play it because I just have a problem. But um, I think I'm better off not trying things out because it generally means I'll end up buying more things that I don't uh, necessarily need. So, yes, not at the moment. You keep speaking right to my heart there, Bob. Uh, <laughs> um, what about what about you, Adam? Uh, yeah, currently not really. Uh, mainly because you know I'm still wrapping my head around the basic rules, so I haven't got to that point of looking to add spice. Um, and obviously, similar to Bob is yeah, the the budget is precludes all that anyway. But having said that, um, no. John Beeson down in Albany was uh, talking about his Falklands campaign. I uh, I got a bit excited because um, obviously that was happening when I was a kid, so I sort of got some interest in that area. So if he ever runs an event around that, that's um, I, I don't mind that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, forking out for whole new armies, and that's probably a bit unrealistic at this stage. And Sean? Um I'm probably diametrically opposed to these guys in terms of my budget that's available to me. I could buy into Korean and Vietnam and Star Wars if I wanted to, if there was, um, but I have almost zero interest in them, mainly because... Uh, and, and I'm a massive Star Wars fan as well. Um, I'm, I'm like Bob. I, I started playing X-Wing when first version came out as well. I still, ha I still have all my X-Wing models from all three factions. Um, and I've got even like the epic size ships and stuff. Um, but I just don't have any interest in playing Star Wars bolt action. Um, I just, I suppose this, you know, I've read, I've read my 
all my Star Wars books. I know my Star Wars stories, and I can't throw my narrative into that into that universe. So, me personally, and and in terms of Korea and Vietnam, um, those were two conflicts that my family didn't have any personal direct involvement in. My father was a national serviceman during Vietnam, but he didn't actually end up getting deployed because of medical condition that he had here in Australia. So he ended up serving as a NCO that trained guys that sent them off to war. So he served during Vietnam, but he only served as a trainer here in Australia. So I've got no family stories that can link into a narrative that I might want to build an army around. If that sort of makes sense. Yeah, no, I, th- I think yeah. that makes quite a lot of sense. Um, and I think the... Because certainly, um, I, I guess, one of the things that draws me to um, bolt action is, is, well, typically my family history has been on the Navy side, but the, the whole interest in military history because of my family and what I've done has always been one of the drivers. And so I completely understand that if, if the... Uh, if the connection isn't strong enough, that the interest is is just not the same. Um, and certainly from a from a Star Wars bolt action, um, that was a lot more prominent before Legion. <laughs> when Star Wars Legion came out, that probably um, uh, w- was was something where a lot of people would have swapped around. I believe the mod is still available. I'll see if I can find it for you, Bob, um, in my files. Um, okay. Uh, and then I guess we're talking about small communities as well, like yeah. community. In- and now, but it's yeah. also finding new people That's to play right. with would be difficult. Is the, is the next part? It's all, yeah. always the next part. Um, Russ, um, Russ is a big fan of um, the Vietnam period, um, so he's he's played not just VC on the trail from a bolt action point of view, but also several other um, types of game systems. Um, and uh, uh, he says at the time. Um, War was going to let them know, let him know that they were considering doing a career war, um, and when they actually did that campaign book um, to see if he was interested, because he'd, he'd post up, go, "Hey, if you ever do it, let me know. I'm interested in trying to help do playtesting or something." Um, there's actually there's a few things that uh, a few things that he says might be on the way from other companies in that space, but um, but yeah, that's that's uh, still a wait and see. Uh, Nick McDonald was pretty uh, straightforward with, with his response, so he, he's like, nah, the other periods or supplements don't really have an interest for me. I like bolt action as it is for bolt action. Um, I, I get I, the detail and the supplements of what I need in the existing World War II scope. There's enough there um, for him to pick up. It doesn't need to, to go beyond, which I, I completely agree with. <laughs> So the next one um, starts to think a little bit more around how, question 11, how would you consider introducing new players or friends into the hobby um, and not just bolt action, but actually hobby in general? So, um, you know, have you got things that, that you know, you know would work? Um, uh, Bob, what, what do you think? Um, I don't really have uh, much on like, to get people in but um i always found with um you know especially if there's a shop or whatever and you're playing and people come up and want to have games or um the the test game with people um and i'm sure you've spoken about it before with new players and stuff but i always find um with all 
all things. People just want to roll dice and they want to see things die and they want to feel like they're in the fold. So um, I find it's more when someone's already shown an interest um, to when you play the first couple of games with them, you spread your, you know, make sure you put your guys out where you wouldn't normally put them, make sure that there's targets for people to hit. Um, you you roll some dice and if you take a few people off one unit, don't shoot that unit again, shoot somebody else. You know, don't pin someone out, spread your shots and 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 just swallow your ego, shelve your ego basically of, of you know, I probably should lose this game. I think I played a practice match with a new player the other day, of a few weeks ago, and um, I brought a whole lot of one-shot weapons because they generally fail, right? So then I roll a six on my first mortar, and then I roll a six on my second mortar, and then you know, and I, I'm just like, oh, this is not supposed to be happening. Um, I'm supposed to be failing these rolls because I'm just trying to spread things around and let them shoot stuff. And and um, but you know, it's just about just about making them feel part of the game and and bringing things to show them how things work, not necessarily things that are all going to work together. Um, right, I'll bring a one-shot weapon here and a, and something there. That's that's my thing when with new players. Um, down here, I, I don't have uh, you know an extended friend group um, that I would try and get in. People that I know at work aren't, wouldn't really be interested. It's not their bag. I work with. I'm a phys ed teacher, so I work with a whole lot of people who are who are recovering jocks. So they're not really into playing. Uh, nerdy nerd type games i suppose is a one for a better term um so yeah I, I don't really everyone knows i play um so if they're ever interested they can they can hit me up but um i don't really go out of my way to try and force it to ask people if they want to because i'm pretty sure i know the answer personally can i just uh butt in for a sec i was going to say yeah. bob uh, I, i'm i'm an ex-teacher i would yep. uh i would hit up some of your uh your uh society environment teachers you're bound to find someone who's got an interest in World War Two. Oh, if we well, my wife's a as a has she's head of has at the other high school, and there's oh. uh, there the, there's there's no one there. She, she's not even interested. I keep saying, I think you'd enjoy it. She's like, no, she, she doesn't like to play games with me. Um, there was one guy I thought I might get, but he's um, he plays like uh, the sort of the more board game ones, like Memoir Forty Four and those games. Oh yeah. Um, yep. So he's sort of got his own sort of. He, way of, of of being involved now my, my plan is to try and start a um after school club with some of our disenfranchised kids um and i've got enough range of games that i can possibly get them into different stuff so that's what my, my thinking is we successfully did that for a while um up here at warwick senior high school oh yeah um had a had a few young kids come along and have a look at that and it was not just bolt action it was things like uh playing card games and stuff like that as well. So uh, kids got yeah. into playing Magic the Gathering and, and saw some yeah. miniature games getting played and stuff. So, yeah, it's good, you know, a yeah. good way of getting the next generation, not necessarily playing, playing immediately, but, um, but yeah, uh, look, getting indoctrinate, indoctrinate them when they're young. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my, my, my focus is my, um, my seven and my two-year-old. So my seven-year-old's pretty much, he plays with all my minis to every game. So... You know, Hulk's fighting um, some elves while they while Sherman tanks rolling in the background. With the, you know, um, so I let them play with my minis. They all get broken and and they're all a bit bashed up. But eventually he'll be coming to Perth for the tournaments, hopefully, because then it'll be a family trip. So that's an easier sell um, at home if it's not just me going away for the weekend. So when you mentioned the guy said he'd been playing since he was five, um, I think Archer had his first game, modified game of Legion when he was when he was three and a half four. 
So um, he's already played. He's already played some Blood Bowl. He's already. We've already played um, a game of um, of of Legion. We've already played um, some some Bolt action. And he tells me he makes up games of like oh, I've got a mate coming over. I've, I've written a list. I've he told me tonight tonight dinner. Oh, I've got a list with seventy five rifles in it. He's just making it up, but it, he's thinking about it. So to me, that's that's where it's at. Right. Just slowly defeat it make it fun make it enjoyable he's painted some models and and just make it you know don't it's not or oh, you can't touch that stuff it's like if you break something tell me we can fix it yep. um so that's just a personal with kids as, as far as people outside goes um yeah i'm always up for a game with people but it's just you know it's the cost and and especially now there's no store um it's not like they can just walk in and buy something off the shelf they'd have to go online order it um, I've heard tactics has moved, so it's safer to send people there now to look for stuff without feeling like they're going to die with something falling on them. Yep. Um, so um, the stores actually yeah. quite good now. Yeah, the new stores. Yeah, are yeah. Nice. So I haven't been. Yeah, I haven't been to Perth since that happened. So you know, that's another side of of just being able to get hold of the game. Yeah. Um, is 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 quite difficult. Uh, it's, frankly, it's a barrier for entry. I was just going to say, frankly, Mike should have moved his store twenty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but like it's surprising he's still open. There's been so many in Perth that have just that don't yep. don't last. So um, yeah, it's just more that barrier to 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 getting people stuff. And I don't have enough. Re- I have enough now. I've got two armies, but they're both British. You know, yeah. and, and it, what you really want when you demo is is a British versus German. If you're going to do a World yep. War Two game, that sells it to people yep. pretty much instantly, right? If you bring in, you know, the Finns versus you know the Greeks, I don't think that sells it to people. It's it's, you know, you've got to have the traditional rivals and people go, oh, I get that. There's a Sherman, there's a Tiger. Um, you know, yeah, let's do it. This this looks great. Um, that's what sells it. So, and, and that's, um, that's a very yeah, good point. It's more about being available. Yeah, because mm. if, if you think most people who are, or I should say, shouldn't say most people, but certainly a lot of the younger generation growing up now, they will learn about World War II based on movies and based on yep. TikTok reels and based on all, all this other stuff that they're being exposed to right now, um, they're not learning mm. in the way that I did potentially, which was actually like a dedicated two-week case study in school where we <laughs> actually went through the whole history. Um, and, and so, you know, making it relatable, if you take those obscure minor nations, yes, they absolutely played their part um, in, in the war, but if you take those as the forces, they won't be able to relate to that at all. Um, it, it's not going to no, be something that just no. they understand. Certainly not from an Australian point of view. Um, what about what no, about no. you, Adam? Now this this is probably. Oh wait, no, we've already done this question. No, we're up to Adam. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yep. up to Adam. Sorry, I took um, off <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm in a position to uh, comment too much on that. I just know that. Um, uh, I have a friend, uh, Andrew, who I actually went past with the Band of Brothers box set originally with, um, but he's just happy to paint. He doesn't seem to really have any interest in playing, um, so we get together regularly and, and have painting sessions. Um, and my sons have dabbled in 40K, but don't seem to be interested in uh, bolt action just yet. Uh, maybe they'll hit a certain age and <laughs> it'll kick in, um, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, no, I was just going to say that I think that if we just keep doing events, um, 
these videos and podcasts and social media and you know the people who are ready find it um and i guess you know if you're like we're saying if you're available to demo games or introductory games or whatever or you know like myself just rocking up to a, an event and walking around and having a chat with people and um seeing it in action so if it's there you know when people are ready they'll find it i think you know you can't really force somebody to do it so you just have to wait for them to find you so you just have to be ready for, for them when they get there yep that's uh very very true what, what about yourself sean uh in terms of finding players to engage with bolt action, I tend to try and, I suppose, harvest from my old long-time crew of gamers that have played all the various games, board games, tabletop war games over the years. Um, and it's sort of paid off in the last year and a bit because we've got a, a new player that's coming to a lot of the a lot of the tournaments now, a fellow by the name of Rowan. Um, he's an old mate of mine, and the way he got into bolt action was that um, there's a group of gaming mates that I that we every new year around about the second or the third of January every year we would get together and have a, a big massive game of whatever we felt like. Of that that year, you know, some days, some years, it was forty k, and we might not have played a game since the last January second or third, and the last couple of last couple of years, um, we've thought, oh, let's try this bolt action game, and so there's normally about seven or eight of us playing, and it takes it's a whole day thing where we stop and have a barbecue, and it's just a doesn't matter how long it's going to take, it's just get together old university friends and Rowan really liked the game and I said well you should come along and have a look at some of the tournaments that I play in once in a while and he's come along and he's just watched um it happened to be not nice and handy because he lives in South Perth right near Outpost um and yeah and he saw me play in a tournament or two and then he said that's it I'm playing and next thing I know he rocks up with like three huge boxes of Russians. I don't know whether you've seen seen Rowan rock up with his stuff, Daniel. I played him at the last event. Um, and and so I'd seen I'd seen Rowan um, uh, around and visiting a couple of times. And, and, and I, I, I could tell that he was interested enough to want to spectate, um, but, but didn't necessarily have time at events to do anything else. And I was like, that's fine. I'm obviously not able to press you anyway. I've got to make sure that the hooligans behind me stay in order but um the he was telling me about this massive event um that you guys did essentially once a year and and you've just started doing yeah um, bolt action ones and it was like all day and i'm like that's my dream i can't wait to do that like because normally i have to cram it into <laughs> cram it into a, a tight space of, of timing we, and everything we normally pick it like the the second or third um day of january because normally some people still got like extended holidays for that period of time and it's not new year's day so uh, and yeah it's uh, we'll get together and we have a big huge board and we'll just you know someone will rock up with salad and someone will rock up with barbecue and we'll stop for like an hour and a half at lunch and then we'll get back into it and the 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 wives and the kids are sometimes there running around and doing whatever they like and they just ignore us and get on with it The, the good fun of and 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 that's 
certainly what I grew up on as those are game days proper where it's like you don't have to worry about doing multiple necessarily games all at once mm. um, but it's like you can set up a really fun mission and just be like nah we're just going to go ham for it all day um, yeah excellent um, so so Rowan and I have got a group of about eh, maybe five or six other guys that we're going to try and get into a little bit more regular but yeah. uh, it comes down to whether I've got time of course yeah <laughs> I, I do yeah. notice that certainly with bolt action, um, I, I've played lots of different systems in my um, in my tenure of, of being a war gamer. Um, bolt action has the most interesting demographic of, of being it consistently spread across a wide number. We've got people that are coming out of uni. We've got people that are midlife like myself or just after. We've got people that are older. We've got people like my dad who's like, he's going trying to set himself up to go right what does retirement look like um he's, he's pushing into that space um he's like i just want to relax and play just play toy soldiers with the grandkids and my son and um but it's like there's consistently a spread of people in that space um it's it's not sort of some of the other war games it's very very obvious that it's early entry uni students or or young adults or quite the opposite certainly other napoleonics it's it's moving much more towards a lot of the the um the older demographic but um yeah a very interesting i, I think it's is it because of the for one of it what is the law that surrounds us you know like um like 40k has its own law star wars has its own law and and world war Two is is such a big part of we all do it you always cover it at school everyone knows about it. there's movies everyone knows about it but it because it covers such a wide timeline like with we've been learning about it since it, st it stopped, but we've never, it's never fallen out of favour. You know, we haven't really, that's why I think you get such a, a demographic and, and, you know, people have, have con connections, like you all have, have direct connections to, to um, World War Two. You can trace family, you can, you know, there's that thing, that's why we get such a good range and, and such a reason, different reasons why people play. You know, I, I play it, I, I like history. Um, but I also like competitive. But then I've heard people talking, and there's there's obviously guys, and they just focusing on one certain unit, and they know about this three dudes in this unit, and they know their whole life story, and they love playing that unit. And and you, there's that real such a wide range of why people play, which I think also gives everyone someone to connect with, which I then think is why you get such a big demographic. Which is yeah, like you said, it's quite amazing the demo, the, the wide demographic you get. Uh, so, in terms of the, the question, um, yeah, introducing new players, Russ has said um, he previously stated um, things like um, this this podcast, but also just podcasts in general, engaging in social media where young young people are starting to that, that's a primary engagement source for them uh, in in certain spaces. So having some coverage rather than nothing um, is a great way to start getting people interested or telling to getting the scenarios talked about trying to talk about the actual history um, but also bolt action is one of the cheaper systems and generally quite accessible now admittedly um, accessibility does very much depend on where you live and how you can get it and and, and where that all sits but it, it stands to reason that bolt action whilst it's still not super cheap it's much cheaper than certain other war games um for what you get uh so that's a very interesting point that um that you could still potentially use a financial driver um especially if you split a starter set um nick has said that uh you know 
he would always consider doing a demo game as well and generally would start small scale on a small board. Um, the intent is to get them to understand the mechanics and then have a slow grow league or a ladder, a league ladder or, or just a set of casual game days where you get that person to actually understand the flow of the game um, and basically avoid throwing them in front of um, one of our more competitive events and a bunch of veterans <laughs> and avoid that situation of um, deer in the headlights uh, not really sure how the game really operates and then you just you end up with the, the typical result if that's happened um, uh, if the if the veteran player um, is, is and, and I would put myself in that category it's like if I'm choosing it's like I'm sorry I'm playing hard today um, and just and just just rolling the dice but it's it's um, I think the demos to get them in, um, the visibility, like we, so we previously had a stand at the last, uh, the last two years at WASMEX, the West Australian um, model exhibition, scale model exhibition. Um, so we'll have a connection there that we typically have things going. There's talk about me running a convention next year, which I need to get more organized about to put that on um, and actually have um, a bunch of demos and things available. Bolt Action is obviously going to be one of those. Uh, Number 12, this one should be quite straightforward, I suspect. Um, international travel for games and playing in external tournaments, uh, either nationally or internationally. Plausible for you, yes or no? Bob? Um, yes, but no, um, at the moment. With a two-year-old, um, time-wise, probably not, but um, my wife's from the UK, so we just went back in term three and i got took some lord of the rings and mcp and i played in a few tournaments over there and um just i'm assuming bolt actually would be the same if i turned up there with an army i'd be able to get onto facebook and find some communities and they'd all be welcoming and and that's the great thing about um wargaming is you can go anywhere in the world uh and people just you've, you've got a connection straight away um so yes Definitely yes. I'm 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 all up for traveling and playing in tournaments. I've already been to Sydney a couple of times for X-wing tournaments. Um, I had a a legion um, entry into the 2019 uh, 2020 worlds, but obviously with the world shut down, um, that kind of went by the wayside. But um, yeah, I'm I'm all for it once once we've got a bit more time in the family and I can persuade my wife that these will be my Christmas and birthday presents. Um, I'll I'll definitely be um, hopefully going to stuff. So. Um, maybe a WIE team in the in a team championship or something one day would be would be great. Yeah, sounds good. Um, appreciate Adam that uh, you'll probably have a different perspective on this question. Yeah, slightly different. Uh, probably not really plausible for me. Well, it probably mainly because I'm not at that level. But uh, yeah, just at this stage, I'm realistically I'm lucky to get a leave pass for a, for a one or two day local event, let alone anything bigger than that um yeah i mean might be nice at one some stage but um yeah not at this time and and, and yeah realistically financially it's probably not practical either um me yep uh and uh, and sean uh i'm lucky that my kids are now university age and i am good to travel wherever i may um i was supposed to go across to the worlds that they had in um, England earlier this year and the West Australian team that Gorshin was organising, but we had a late pullout and we didn't have any replacements, so the team didn't end up going. And I'd already gotten a pass to go. 
Yes. That was, that, that was, was in October? That was meant to be yeah, at yeah. October for the World Open War. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I would have been all up for it, but we, we flew back like this the last week of september or something i think it was like a it was like two weeks out or something ridiculous it was just yeah no you know, I, I was like, I, it was it was no big deal it was just, uh, just it was uh we we should have had uh ha, had some backups but no, no one been put in, put forward yeah yeah, yeah. it's um we're... and it probably worked out better anyway because i finished uh finished some work that i had to do for um ecu so it was all good yeah, it's uh, it's on the cards again for um, for next year to consider and try and get some more prep in. Um, but yeah, we'll because we'll, we also yeah. were we were also trying to organise the or, or Goshen was um, uh, trying to help organise the Eastern States because we'd actually tried to say, hey, Australia might actually want two spots because we're very two separate communities if they've got space, um, and they put up one player. Um, for them, and so we went like, okay, well, we'll just do one Australian team um, and send them over. But um, that, that didn't work out on their end either. Um, so we'll try again. To I be suspect. honest, I was going to say, to be honest, I was surprised when Gorshin tapped me on the shoulder because I'm not a top player. I'm a I'm a wacky, weird list player that I like to play off meta, and I'd have to I'd have to play a very different army if I was going to go competitive worlds. Um, oh. and that's i was just sorry yeah with adam um i i see those like going going across the east these states money aside if, if we all had money and stuff i think going to these tournaments like i always thought oh i'm just going to get absolutely pounded and stuff and it's just the going and playing against other people take the wacky yeah. list you know that that's gonna that's gonna throw people off where they go what the hell's going on here I, I i'm very i'm very much like even just coming from albany to go to the first tournament in perth with you guys it's a it's a massive step i didn't know anybody i think john was heading up i met him there but you know we'd only sort of just sort of connected through the game and it's just i think it's just more that community side as you get to see that it's not just us it's it's how everyone acts within a certain game system everyone seems to have the same attitude so yeah no i, I I'm, I'm all big on you know just pe encouraging people just to go out and 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 play and things and even if it's just the one in your local local area you know start there and and don't feel like you you know i've only been playing for two this game for two years i'm not a i'm a competitive player in myself but i don't think i bring overly competitive stuff and i don't think i really you know i'm not that, that greater player i just enjoy playing and i and i want to be better and i think that's what makes you better is 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 pushing it but yeah the real thing is is time and money and you know we all like to be, be if we are married we like to stay married and that's the hard bit you know you've got to do the right thing it's easy, it's easy to get the brownie points but it's easy to spend them it's hard to get them so you know yes well i have i haven't come across a better crew than the albany crew um you know i've interacted with you guys for the last two years and yeah that that last that last trip now down at for southern thrust was so much fun and uh, you know we'd go out in the evenings after after playing the the for the day and had a few drinks and and just the general sort of atmosphere down there is just so camaraderie basically yeah it's it's a good we've got a good crew a good base crew the guys who are, who are driving it are, are a good group of people and you just you just feel welcoming and I, and I think it'll be it'll survive our the bolt action will survive um you know 
that's that's just I think just because of the people that are running it, and that's like every game situation. Um, anyway, we're off topic. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shut up. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. all right. That's all right. Um, both Russ and Nick for this one also are um, probably not that in terms of traveling to anything. Yeah, like Southern Thrust is the classic example for for us locally here. They're like, absolutely, if they're available, they've got the ability to get down there. Yep, we'll do it. Anything beyond our border, a bit sketchy. Um, <laughs> anything beyond the international border, even more sketchy because that's just a time and materials <laughs> thing for them. Um, I, yeah. I would love to get out and do something um, a bit more and you know some of the ones over in the uh, certainly the eastern states and some of the other ones around the US and the UK but again young kids time money materials and making sure it all uh, is all going to work it's a bit of a juggling act so now we come to the one we'll end on um, which is give me your best bolt action moment from a game that you've played go ahead Bob um, apart from any time that my Piat team actually takes a tank out from behind a building or something where it feels thematic and they've popped out and you kind of, you know, um, I think one time, I think it was a time in Perth, I got to have a 40k turn. So um, I think I had 12, 10 or 12 water dice and it was pretty much like second turn, not much has died. And I pulled all my dice out before he pulled any of his dice out. So I got to have move everything of mine, shoot everything of mine before I even had a go. And we were both just sitting there. It was, it was one of those ones like, that's just statistically uh, an anomaly, but it was uh, it was quite funny. Um, it was just one of those ones where you both just laugh by the end of it because there's not much you can really do about it. So, yeah, that was one of my moments. <laughs> that's right. Yes, they, it, it does. It's rare, but it does happen. Um, uh, I, I, yeah. I think I've, yeah, I, I, I can imagine like, the other person at first it's kind of like oh really another one another one and then by the end you're just like like yeah just pull it out go ahead <laughs> yeah that's right it's just yeah it was, it was quite what, what about you adam as someone um again who's newer within our event space don't think it don't limit it to uh, necessarily an event <laughs> but um but what what is what has been your highlight for for bolt action yeah i was thinking that uh, initially i thought my first tournament win my first tournament would be a highlight but that's a bit boring so but then I remembered um, I think at the last dueling aces my partner Trent's plane airstrike pretty much dropped its bombs on us every time and I think that even got a mention on one of the previous HMG podcasts so that was a nice cherry on top of a highlight of getting uh, getting, getting rem remembered for all the wrong reasons but uh so yeah so that was uh interesting at least <laughs> memorable if it's best but <laughs> we will seek to remedy that um <laughs> dueling aces will be back um so so if, if trent's up for another round of um if he's not too traumatized if he's not too traumatized yes um <laughs> sean well, most recent in terms of what I can recall best bolt action moment would have been, I think, the second game of Southern Thrust um, was the... I'll set it up first. My, my army that I took to Southern Thrust was fully mechanised German um, reconnaissance. Well, not quite reconnaissance. They... 
I had armies all in 250 slash 10s. There was no foot sloggers. I had lots of little half tracks everywhere. And I had a Kubel Blitz as my tank. I had had nothing in, in the way of big firepower. Kubel Blitz was it, right? And guys with Pan Panzerfausts. And this particular mission, the turn two, oh, sorry, before the game started, we had a, uh, a, a bombardment, a preliminary bombardment. And the way you rolled, you know, it happens to both sides or doesn't happen at all. So we rolled and it was happening. He rolled his dice to see what he was going to do, what happened to his, his dice or to his units and pretty much nothing, a pin here or a pin there. Then he started rolling to see what happened to mine. I lost in preliminary bombardment half my army. All right? So the half track that had my officer squad and it got hit, so the half track died, the officer squad inside died, the the um, sniper team, I think that was, uh, no, it wasn't a sniper team, it was my uh, Panzer Shrek team that was in the half track with the officer squad also died. Um, my Kubel Blitz got hit and immobilized for the entire game, right? So didn't get to move. Um, I lost... Three of my six half tracks, uh, and it really was half of my army was dead before turn one even started. And I can't remember for the life of me who the opponent was, but we were in tears. Well, I was in tears. I was laughing my head off. And he's on the other side of the table apologizing. He's going, I'm really sorry. This shouldn't be happening. I'm really sorry. Really, And I'm just losing myself. I'm just laughing my head off because I didn't care. <laughs> it, was, it was funny to see. And it was just me for the remainder of the game just trying to see what I could drag back, if anything. And it was just, I just got annihilated. And he, all through the game, he was just going, I'm really sorry, it shouldn't have been. <laughs> and that was probably the best in terms of recent because even though I was absolutely ripped to pieces, it was hilarious to watch. So that's actually a good point that uh, obviously being on the losing end more than the winning end is game says something about the game that you can still have a lot of fun even when you're losing. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's that that is that is very very true. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do find that bolt action is it because I've lost a lot um, in, in in the time that I've been playing and none of those losses have ever made me go i don't want to play this game anymore um at least not seriously sometimes yes i've been like nah that was just that was a horrible game but but i've never never been in a position where i've had such a continuation of losses that have been so unsavory that i'm just like no nah, i just don't want to play anymore um i've never had that and i hope that virtually all if not all of our um our communities had the same um to the the most that I can control that. Uh, I think it's because you. Um, oh, sorry, you go. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm with you, Daniel. I think it's a reflection of the community that we have here in Western Australia. I can name one, maybe two guys that sometimes I have questionable games that it's not enjoyable, but 
they're so few and far between, it's not worth even mentioning. I think it's also the game itself because you get to move around toy soldiers and make gun noises in your head or out loud when you shoot your tank and stuff. But I think it it just brings you back to that um, childhood when you have your your little bag of green army men that you were pushing around in the sand and, and doing that. And I think that's the game itself. You, you can't get angry at, at random dice chant stuff because you, you're getting to move plastic soldiers around on a board and and it, it makes it makes me feel like I'm I'm six or seven again you know that's that's what I enjoy about it you know I, I get to not have to be an adult and and the older I get the more I'm trying to find things where I can act like a child and people don't judge me so you know playing bolt action in a room full of men doing the same people sorry people doing the same thing I I feel like we're all just being kids again and no one's judging me I can I can actually have some fun you know that's I think and if you if you were getting salty about you know that random where stuff just blows up and you're like oh I can't believe it you've got to go oh you know what you just be happy for the other person I think if you can hold that in I think that's what most people seem to have with this game is they have that attitude of that's just funny you know yep that that just happened or you know you roll your one and that your bombardment doesn't come in or you know those things always happen and you just most people seem to just laugh it off in this game and i honestly think it's because of the what you're actually playing i think if you're taking it too seriously this is not the game for you yeah and it's just rare rare as an adult rare as an yeah. adult to just have fun for fun's sake it's like that's right it's, it's yeah. nice <laughs> i i am reminded of one thing i'm reminded of of one tournament during um, the first edition bolt action before anyone really sort of understood some of the nuances of the rules and things like that in in uh, tournaments and uh, I had uh, a flamethrower team in a this is an American flamethrower team in a half track that foobard mm. and they're not supposed to be able to do that in well then they don't do that in the new rules um, you don't do foobars in the you know the and um, but the TO at the time said, "Yeah, you're foobard, so gotta roll on the foobard table." So we rolled on the foobard table with a flamethrower who was in the back of a half track, who pre- then proceeded to shoot the half track that he was in, and blow the half track up from the inside. It was awesome. <laughs> you know what? They need to bring that rule back. That just sounds funny. I, it it was. Cool. It was. <laughs> Just for the fun. You wrote that down, Dan? Snipers being able to uh, ricochet a shot on a miss and kill themselves and flavors blowing up a transport <laughs> therein, I think are things that need to come into play. Um, <laughs> the um, So like Russ, Russ's event, um, so he, he was playing a team event. Um, it was Gary and him, uh, and they just needed Dave to miss one shot that was left at one model and they were they they had won they had won the game at that point he turns to gary and he reassures him and says don't worry dave can't hit an elephant from this distance it's fine and that's a running joke that they have apparently in their group um dave successfully hit and destroyed and killed the model that was needed and they lost the game <laughs> so but um I don't know the details specifically of what it was in that space, but um, classic. We're just going to talk up his trend. It's fine. No one. He always rolls ones. Blah blah blah, and then just murders it. Uh, Nick had a very interesting um, highlight, which was uh, 2018 skulls in November. 
actually playing against um, Gary Daniford um, with a 1942 um, uh, DAC list. It was stalling and he couldn't gain any momentum. He just everything he was trying, he couldn't get anywhere. His armor was in reserve, and Gary also had a Firefly in reserve. Um, the Firefly was essentially going to outgun the Panzer IV and the 222. Um, but he decided, uh, Nick decided to roll the 222 on his right flank in, in an attempt to assist and, and just create a bit of harassment. The next turn, Gary just simply rolls his Firefly on directly in front of the 222 as a counter. But because it was the next turn, um, and I don't know whether it was Gary forgot or he had some other reasoning, um, the 222 reckies away and disappears. Then the Panzer IV immediately is able to roll on and it one-shots the Firefly on the side and manages to kill it. And it actually was a turning point then for the game. Um, which brought it back from what was going to be a horrific loss to a minor win, um, but but a big highlight because Nick thought that game was was done and dusted. But yeah, it was enough to turn it around. So well, um, so I mean that does it for the first round of questions that I've got um, for this community spotlight. Um, I really appreciate all of you being on the show and for those that submitted some answers um, via text earlier. Um, if if the you know if there are other things and questions that the, the people would like uh, people listening to the podcast would like asked, um, we will probably host some more of these as the year rolls on, um, and we'll get um, potentially the same guys, potentially different guys, depends on who's available um, to uh, to have a chat. Um, but thank you very much for your time, everybody, uh, and uh, I will. We are at just over the two-hour recording mark, so thank you very much for your patience. And uh, to everyone else, this has been the HMG Podcast, and you will catch us again on the next one. Bye, everyone. Thanks for having us.